Footy Ado, the Delusional Soccer Podcast. Footy Ado, a soccer delusion shared by two brothers in close association. What do you think we should talk about? Uh, I was thinking the Premier League. So I, uh, I did just tweet out, technical difficulties we deal with while trying to record are surely a sign that we should stop, but we're going to ignore that. New pot out tonight. <laughs> we think. Plenty, plenty of results to discuss on the good old footy of one plus one, making it footy of do this week. Are we recording? We've been recording for the past two minutes. Yes, finally. We'll see what what content I'm actually going to well, use. There have been well, we've had these we've had conversations off mic leading into each episode, and there's been some good content. I'm always like, ah, oh, you should have been recording this all time. It's it's good to see you've finally finally done it. I don't think this is going to be the best content that we've produced in in that type of situation, though. The football this weekend. Um. Plenty of storylines. We had the top two already facing off against each other. Um, not the top two that everyone knows it's or uh, everyone believes it's going to end up as uh, Man City, Liverpool, but the good old Liverpool and Arsenal top two. Um, we had an upset at Old Trafford. Chelsea pick up their first win in the Frank Lampard era, but. We're going to start with a follow-up to last week's episode. Last week's episode titled, You Don't Hate VAR. And in contention for the title of this week's episode is, eh, you might. You definitely, you definitely might. You might hate it. And we're talking to you, Spurs fans, at... The new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which they need really need to name. Um, Newcastle. Didn't, didn't they already name it? Wasn't it? Wasn't it going to Coca? Didn't Coca Cola win the the rights to? That was yeah. That was reported back in like March, and just nothing has happened from that. Mm, it was also well. reported that maybe Nike would be getting that, but it's still called the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and at. I, the mouthful Tottenham Hotspur Stadium this weekend on Sunday. Uh, Newcastle take all three points. Steve Bruce's Newcastle go to Tottenham and take an away win. But the talking point is not the first Premier League goal from the definitely butchered name of Joel Inton. I don't know how we I haven't don't. heard that name pronounced yet. We we really, like, they send we, out the videos of the players saying their own names to broadcasters. We must have missed our email. I'll have to check the spam folder. Yeah, it might be in the spam folder. We got Timu Puki's name right. We did, which, that's incredible. Um, but also, why is your name Timu Puki? Um, and but, also, like, what is he? He's, uh, where is he from? Finland, I believe. That was what surprised me. To be completely honest, Didn't based on me. his goal scoring record or his name, his I mean I don't know much about Finnish names, but I didn't Timu Puki isn't what I would I would categorize as something that sounds uh, Scandinavian in any way. T- 
Timu Puki with five goals already this season, which really means he knows how to finish. Wow. Real Timu player. Oh, my God. He always pookies it into the no, back of the net. We lo- I, you lost me on that one. But the, <laughs> the talking point, not for Norwich – at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium God, is sounds like a solo episode. Is it really does? Is the VAR uh, decision to uh, not give Tottenham a penalty? Yeah. Well, look, uh, Newcastle kind of went full orange vanilla Coke on that stadium. It's going to be the orange vanilla Coke stadium now. It really should be. Um, I love those jerseys. I love those kits. Those orange kits. The bright Newcastle, orange. They're fresh. Let me tell you, I'm a little, I'm a little biased on the orange kits. I like the orange kits. They re- remind me of the uh, more world famous Ocean City Nor'easters kits. Which, let me tell you, they, <laughs> the Nor'easters kits were always terrible when they would play the uh, team in their division, Evergreen, which has switched their name from Evergreen FC to Evergreen Hammers and back and back and back. But Evergreen would <laughs> wear lime green while the Nor'easters wore this color, and wearing that at the same time, that it was disgusting. I want to say when me and Sal were broadcasting those games, he called that the highlighter derby. <laughs> and he was absolutely right. But um, <laughs> the referee is Mike Dean. The VAR referee is Anthony Taylor. He tells Mike Dean that when uh, Lascelles takes down Kane in the penalty area, it's... A good no call. Um, Lascelles is stumbling down. It looks like Harry Kane. It, 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 there's a slight chance he was stumbling before as well, but it, like it's a it's a dive from Lascelles. He dives into Kane's legs, mm-hmm. and the penalty is not given. And that that's it. To call that a harsh decision is. Really, really putting it lightly. Yeah, and I mean, like you look, like you look at it, like I think it's it's hard to it's hard to make that call, obviously, because it looked like he is stumbling at first. Like that's kind of what you have to play with there. Um, but you're you're watching it, and we listen to, of course, the NBC American commentary. So we get um, Arlo White and Lee Dixon. Lee Dixon, famous uh, Arsenal fullback, is watching it, and I think as he's, I think he like is saying in the beginning that he didn't think it was a a pen, but as he keeps watching it, you could just tell, you know, obviously, I mean, like, he's he does a, a good job with keeping um, bias out of it, but, he, you know, he, there, there are times where you, you can tell he, he's an Arsenal fan, um, and it actually kind of adds a good quality to, to their broadcast, and you can just kind of hear him, like, realize, like, oh, like, no, that's like a, <laughs> that's a, that's a penalty. That's a- it's not only a penalty, it's like a stone-cold penalty. Yeah. Um, they were in agreement there. Um, so, yeah, but... And the thing is, uh, a lot of a lot of the arguments for... That people have against... You know, like, oh, they kind of like the... Like, human error is always going to be part of the game, no matter what you do. Um, VIR can get rid of that a little bit, but again, it's still... A, you still have to make a decision on whether or not to overturn a call. And then it comes down to, okay, was the mistake made clear and obvious? There's always that gray area that, that comes into play when, when they're uh, trying to overturn a decision. It's not, oh, what do you think about this play? It's a, no, is there, it's more, is, uh, 
was there a clear and obvious error? And if there's not, you always have to stick with that call. But yeah, and for, the the Premier League sets the bar far higher than any other league in the world that is using this technology. Um, which I like that they set the bar high because they try to do that to avoid long stoppages. Um, but it's if you're saying that this the bar was set to like. I, if that's why they didn't make this decision and point to the spot after that because they set the bar too high, I think that it's a near impossible um, height to reach for a penalty call because that's that's yeah you have to point to the spot after that one. And why why is the Premier League insistent on having just a VAR ref that will look at it and make the decision instead of saying? In like you know, at the World Cup and in, in every other league, it's it's hey, uh, Anthony Taylor will be in Mike Dean's ear and say, "Hey, you need to go take another look at that." Well, because it comes down to what you just said. It's about the time. They don't want they they don't want to make it this whole process. They want to cut down the time on what it is because that's a big argument about it. It takes it stops the game. It, it takes the momentum and takes some of the steam out of the game when those calls take a long time. So that's what they're devoted to because they're trying to be on both sides of it where you can have, you can perfect the calls that are being made on the field while also not taking too much time to do that. But again, there's going to be human error involved in that because you got humans looking at it and making that decision. I guess, I, I guess you're, you're right about the, the reasons. I'm just not in agreement with said reasons. Um, but I don't want to spend the entirety of of our discussion of this match on just this one moment in, right. in the 78th, 79th what? minute um, because the, the stats in this game are insane. Tottenham with 80% of the possession to Newcastle's 20, and Newcastle put more shots on target. Newcastle put three shots on target out of eight total. Tottenham put two shots on target out of seventeen total. Mm-hmm. You don't take. You cannot take seventeen shots in a game, only hit the target twice, and expect not even just not even a win, but even just a point. They right. had triple the amount of touches, even more than triple the amount of passes, j- close to four times the amount, and they come out with they, they lose at home. Yeah, it's well. I mean, it's it's the age old Spurs sort of thing that they they have a big performance against Manchester City, where you'd have to say that they stole they stole a point from that game. City probably felt like they should have. I think City would have felt like they dropped points against Spurs. Nothing against Spurs, but it's a very impressive performance. Obviously, VAR came into it again. Um, and then you look at the two teams. You see Spurs or you see City after that bounce back and go have a comprehensive victory over Bournemouth. And then you look at Spurs. They lose a the game. They shouldn't. They have no business losing. You know, it, and it, it happens. It happens every year. It happens a lot of the time to them, and it's why they have been unable to reach that peak um, that they that they're trying to aim for. Uh, 
they always have these little fallbacks. I mean, everyone has fallbacks. Everyone has those those set of performances. But to follow up a uh, a big statement draw. I mean, it's a draw, but it's a statement to to say, look, we're as good as Manchester City. Um, we're going to be in this title race this season, and then to lose to Newcastle, who, I mean, I have going down this season. Um, it's it's uh, it's disappointing. And Spurs' record in 2019 just has not been um, quite what you expect. They lost so many games last season, um, especially mm-hmm. in the second half. Um, you know, they got, I mean, they got a draw against City. That's a good result. They play well against City, which is good. But at some point, we're going to have to look at their Premier League form and really start to question what the issue is um there's been there's been some talk about christian erickson you know he said in the summer that you know he could be looking for a new challenge um and i mean the european transfer window is not closed i don't expect him to move on before that september 2nd deadline um but if he does that raises even bigger question marks for for tottenham um, Mauricio Pochettino has said, you know, you know, he said before the Champions League final last year, um, that, you know, if they won, he might go because with the resources he's given that, you know, that's pretty much what they can achieve. They got to, uh, you know, it, it's, it would, if they would have won the Champions League final, it would have been, you know, similar to when Chelsea won the final where it's, you know, we've had a few years in a row of, not even with Real Madrid being that that being true anymore, but it's not the best team winning the, you know, not the best team being crowned the champions of Europe. With Liverpool winning the Champions League, the one of the top three teams was crowned the champions of Europe. If Tottenham had won, that's not the case. Um, and Pochettino, also in the offseason, said that, you know, there's no reason to call him the manager of the football club. He's the head coach because he has no say over transfers. And it just sounds like there's some unhappiness creeping into the camp at Tottenham. And I wonder how how that's going to affect results this season. Yeah, it, it, this, this could be sort of, I mean, getting to the Champions League final, um, you know, perhaps gave them some more time with Pochettino and with this unit to sort of like really go for it. But if it doesn't, doesn't pan out this season, I mean, we said, we've said it year, a couple of years in a row where it's like, if this stuff doesn't start to work out, this could be the end of this like group of Tottenham, uh, this, this group at Tottenham. Uh, but you know, it, it could begin like, because Pochettino is an excellent coach. Um, he's a smart coach. He, he, he knows, uh, the types of players that he needs. And, and the fact that he has no say over it, 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 it it, we see it all the time. It gets constantly frustrating for managers that aren't um, consulted with these type of moves um, because your vision isn't allowed to, to be fully implemented at the club and and you see what it does. You see how it affects the team. You see the team. Like you Look at, look at uh, what Klopp and, and Pep have going on at their respective clubs. They have, they have say with, with the players they want and who they go for. And I mean, it look it's it's bearing fruit for them. Absolutely. Now we'll uh, we'll move on to we're going to stay in a, a similar topic of 
a London club against a relegation candidate. Manchester United, the relegation candidate. Crystal Palace, the London club. I bet you didn't see that one coming. That's a, that's a good old joke for me over here. I'll be here if you need me um, for pretty much the rest of my damn life. Um, nice. You like that? You see, you thought you thought I was going Chelsea Norwich. That's the yeah, joke. I was the, surprised. Je- yeah, I was surprised. I was like, oh, Je- yeah, because it's the because because Chelsea's a London club and Norwich is a relegation candidate. But like, I changed it to make fun of Manchester United after the week they had. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Well, that's cool, funny cool. now that you explained it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, if you watch the highlights of the game, then it just still becomes funny. Uh, well, what did I Crystal tell you? Palace you, I told you at the beginning of the season. I said Gary Cahill is going to Crystal Palace. So top four. <laughs> uh, a delusion at the time you said it, but now I'm kind of on board. Uh, Crystal Palace two, Manchester United one at Old Trafford. Jordan Ayew scores in the 32nd minute. Daniel James equalizes in the 89th minute and celebrates like. The game is not still there to be won. And had he celebrated longer, maybe they would have gotten the point. (laughs) But they restarted play, and on a counterattack, the ball is poked away from Wilfred Zaha into the path of Chelsea legend Patrick Van Onholt, who shoots it directly at De Gea for the winning goal in the third minute of stoppage time. Another ridiculous game where 70, 71% of the possession is not enough. Manchester United, 22 shots total to Crystal Palace's five, and they each put three shots on target. United double the touches, double the passes. They controlled this game, and it's becoming a bad thing for United to have so much of the ball. If you allow Manchester United to have the ball, they end up losing. Not what you want if you're Ali Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, but fair play to Crystal Palace. This was a... It, they set out to do something, and they were successful for a while. It looked like they weren't going to hold on. It looked like they if this was going to end 2-1, it was going to be to Manchester United. And they kept on going. Patrick Van Anholt with the winner. Yeah, and uh, Juan Wrong rough. team, man. Rough, man. Uh, I mean, what a weird game. I was watching that highlights, honestly. I mean, it was comical, considering, you know, they got that day. The Daniel James goal is amazing. It was, it was beautiful. It was a lovely strike. You know, it goes into the corner, and I'm thinking to myself, uh, should you be going to grab the ball? Like, what do you, like... Did you, did you see the picture of Rashford oh, and Martial? Yeah, it looked like they are about to beat the Martial shit out of him. looked like he was going to beat the shit out of him. Um... Like, okay, Daniel James, we get it. You've scored twice this season so far. Um, and it, it was a brilliant goal that, like, in any other situation, he could have celebrated like that. Yeah. But there's a difference when you play for a club like Manchester United. And I understand that he's only a few games into his um, career at Manchester United. Um, coming from Swansea City, I get it. It's a, You're on a different stage but you have to act a certain way in certain situations, and he failed to do so. Yeah. Um, what What to think about United? What to think about David De Gea? 
You used to have like he used to be a player back when United weren't as talented all around, and he would save them points. I always say that a goalkeeper can't win you three points, but they can win you one, and De Gea encapsulated that perfectly. And now he's had so, uh, too many of these moments where he has a gaff and and you know doesn't make a save that he should clearly make where, you know, De Gea, we all know him as the guy who makes saves that he shouldn't be making. Um, but he, he's picking up a bad reputation. Yeah. Bad, it was a bad weekend for, for Spanish goalkeepers. Kepa didn't have a great game either against Norwich. Yeah. And uh, this this was the 21st meeting of the Premier League era between Palace and United. The twenty first. Can I guess? Can I guess the record? Guess how many wins Crystal Palace have now in twenty one games. Seven. One. Seven. <laughs> no. One. Okay. So this was their first win. Their first win over Manchester United in the Premier League era. Wow. How Sixteen many, how wins many? for United and four draws. Four draws. Okay. I guess I thought you asking the posing the question was to show that Crystal Palace had their number. I was wrong. Completely, you actually could not have been more wrong. Yes, yes, and you could have had you said eight, obviously, but like, even if I like said nine, even if I said this, <laughs> in twenty one games they have won all twenty one. Um. Yeah. So I mean, what's going on with United? Like. I mean, you start the season off 4-0, hammering against Chelsea. People start to think, oh, like, I mean, obviously it was like some of the things you would see were like, all right, here's the first week overreactions. United are going to win the league. But, I mean, after that performance, you look at it and you say, like, okay, this is a team that, you know, we didn't really have up in that title race, but that was a comprehensive victory. We could see them um, maybe making a push for uh, for that those top two spots. Uh I mean, personally, like I said, I don't like to overreact to the first the first couple games. Uh, United isn't really a team that I'm expecting all that much from this season. No, yeah, um, I agree. The Chelsea game, I think, I think four nil was probably a a bigger margin than what that game actually was. But still, you clinically you score four goals uh, against a top six side, uh, but. This is more what I've expected from United, especially what we saw from them at the end of last year. Um, they also have, I mean, Daniel James has, has been doing well, scoring goals. Uh, but other than him and Juan Pisaka, they haven't really brought in too much in the market. I mean, Harry Maguire was a big late signing. Um, I think that they are going to regret spending that, that amount of money on Harry Maguire. He they is. Could, they could. He's nowhere near the defender that Virgil Van Dyke is. He's not even in the same class. I see. The thing is, I would put Harry Maguire is your second best center back in a title winning side. They spent money on him. Is is? I think that's the level he can reach. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of like you know, look at Chelsea. Like he, like when Gary Cahill was pretty solid. Like he was. He won titles. Like so much. Like. He he was the second best center back in those sides. I think not saying like I mean, you know, Maguire has some time to to go above that beyond that. Um, uh, but yeah, he's not he's not Virgil Van Dyke. No, he's he not. and like 
he he's can like, be he can be a presence in the box. He's huge. Crossing the ball in his direction is not going to be easy. But his presence on the ball, his ability to pass, his ability to start a move from back to front, it it doesn't exist. It's not there. Yeah. He looks like a center back on the ball. And he doesn't look at Virgil van Dyke when he's on the ball, when he's getting ready to make a pass, even like even like a player like David Luiz, he does they you don't look like a defender when you have the ball when he has the ball at his feet. Mm-hmm. Harry Maguire yeah. looks like Phil Jones with the ball at his feet. And that and the fact that they spent that amount of money. And we're in a time where the, the transfer market is completely inflated. Maybe a few years back, a few years down the road, we'll say, okay, that wasn't that much for a defender, I guess. But um, it's... Yeah, he's like a guy... He's, how much do they spend for him? $85 million. Yeah, like, I mean, it, it is obviously inflated. I think he's like one of those guys you spend $40, 50000000 million on. And he's, you know, it, it it's inflated because he's English, and that's huge. But, th- like... They would have been better off splitting that money in half and going out and buying two defenders, mm-hmm. than bringing him in because it's it's he it's not it that is not it chief. Those are we'll for the for yeah. the for the young kids listening to the pod that'll get them get them yeah. to stick around. Well, I mean, we'll see. He had a, he he had a good like he was very solid in his first match of the season against Chelsea. Um, and there's there's times where he's gonna look like he's an eight out of ten, a nine out of ten, but he's not an eight, nine out of ten week in week out. No, you'd rather like I think yeah, like there's times you get like guys like that who are, like have they have those eight out of tens, nine out of tens performances, but they also have those four out of tens, five out of tens. I'd much rather have a guy who it's like oh he's gonna be a seven every game. Yeah, absolutely. You Consistency, know. you know what you're gonna get. He, you know, sometimes he'll. He'll go above and beyond, but he's not really going to drop below a six. And right. Harry Maguire is not in that group. Um, so, one win, one draw, one loss for Manchester United. Um, if they're going to be, they're going to be a big talking point all season long. Um, but now, I think it is a, a good time to move on to what is, what was the biggest matchup of the season? First versus second. Liverpool and Arsenal, um, we got the results that we didn't expect out of the way, and now let's get on to one that, although it was a huge match, it we did get the outcome that we thought we would. Um, Liverpool win 3-1, Joel Matip in the 41st minute, uh, Salah with a brace, a 49th minute penalty, and a 58th minute solo effort um, to give Liverpool a, a very good win at home. And uh, Lucas Torreira got the consolation goal in the 85th minute. The way Arsenal set up, I have no problem with. It's the fact that once plan A did not work, plan B was not implemented. Um, and that reminds me so much of the Arsene Wenger era. And it's kind of... And Chelsea last season. Yeah, and it's kind of an opposite. And it's the opposite of what I expect from Unai Emery. Last year, he was he made the most changes at halftime um, out of any manager in the Premier League. Um, and I kind of expected, even if it wasn't a change at halftime, a change by the 55th or 60th minute. Um, and, and, and by that, I mean an attacking change and a change that changed the shape. And in the 61st minute, when it's 3-0, bringing on 
Lucas Torreira for Danny Ceballos is a good move, but only if it's a double change where you're bringing on Lacazette for a Joe Willick or, um, which is the move that was made 20 minutes later. Well, even, even at that point, isn't that's more taking Ceballos off and putting on Torreira. That's not really an attacking move. That's a no, exactly. Move. That's why it's so questionable. And I thought Torreira should have started this game. Um, what, I texted what it, you and Nick, and I said, <laughs> "It is. I, I think it would be downright irresponsible for Granite Shaka to start at Anfield, so I fully expect in five minutes I will find out that Granite Shaka is starting at Anfield. And then... And, and Emery said, hold on. I got something. Well, I got one better for you. Granite Shaka is going to captain the side. Granit Xhaka is the captain of the club. It's not been announced that he's the captain of the club. They won't confirm that he is the sole captain, but he is the captain of Arsenal. And that worries me, almost like it worried Liverpool fans a few seasons ago that Jordan Henderson was made the captain. So all I'm saying is we are going to win the Champions League in three years. Oh my Mark gosh. my words, the delusion of the week. No, it is, but it it was downright irresponsible to play, play the way they did, not for the first half, but in the second half did not change anything. After we concede, after the team concedes five minutes before the break and five minutes after the break, you have to make a change. Mm-hmm. You have to make an attacking change. They waited to go down 3-0 to make a change that didn't change the shape. I thought that this game, Arsenal should have started the much-anticipated front three. I think they're going to start them I think they're going to give, give Lacazette, Aubameyang, and Nicola Pepe a run at Spurs this weekend. But I thought that they should have uh, they should have tested out Hanfield. You gotta you gotta go at Liverpool, and honestly, playing with wingers out wide, it would have helped a little bit with the fact that the Liverpool fullbacks were just bombarding the penalty area with crosses. They're so good. They are too good. They really they are, my, are. They are like outside of Chelsea. They're like my favorite. My favorite players to watch is Arsenal's fullbacks. Just watching them cross the ball in. They're, it's it's insane. Holes Andy Robertson. Freaking Trent Alexander Arnold. They're so, like they're yeah they're hard to play with and yeah I I, I but if, again I think maybe Emery overthought it a little bit. You know, just play those. Play your top three guys. Play your best attacking players in this big game. Don't play Granite Chaka. What? So I feel like I know. I, I think he's dealt with a little bit with injuries towards the end of last season, coming into this season. But is like, it feels like Torreira. I feel like Torreira should be one of the first names on that team sheet in that midfield, and I feel like that's not happening with Arsenal. It's not. And Torreira came back late. You know, he played in the Copa America, and I get that, and he hasn't started a game yet. Um, but he's got to start eventually, so you're going to choose the time for him to start. Even if you put him out there and it didn't work, and you get you give him 60 minutes and he comes off so that he can start next weekend in the North London Derby and, you know, yeah, come closer to playing 90 minutes, um, if not playing the whole game. Um I have, like I said, I don't have questions about the fact that some of these players didn't start. I have a f- question about um, 
where where Unai Emery went with his changes and at this certain times. Because given Lacazette nine minutes to play at Anfield, you're down three nil. It's like what? If, what does he have against Lacazette? I feel like Lacazette doesn't. just doesn't. He doesn't start in away games against the big six for some reason. He's only started in three since he joined Arsenal, and I don't quite understand why that is. Um, but it, he's a player who's more clinical than Aubameyang. Aubameyang gets a lot of chances, but I feel like Lacazette is more clinical and like in for that type of game. I feel like I I prefer Lacazette over over Aubameyang. Yeah, and instead of you know. Going with a, you know, defensively, I liked I liked the way it, it kind of worked out. Joe Willick and Matteo Guendouzi. Three goals, three were, goals, yeah, yeah, yeah. three <laughs> goals. I love the way it worked. No, out. no, 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 no. From from a standpoint of looking at this match and saying, okay, it's the champions of Europe. You probably weren't gonna go to Anfield if you set up the way that if you set up with a four three three instead of the four four two diamond, you're probably gonna lose either way. Um. But. You know, they gave themselves a chance in the first half. Had they not conceded that goal, and had Nicola Pepe put away the chance that he had in the first half, and Aubameyang after um, the Adrian mistake and the Jordan Henderson mistake, had they put away just one of those chances, it's a completely different game. And, you know, with the past games, we've looked at the stats, and this one, these stats are not far off. 52-48 to 48 possession in favor of Liverpool. Um, five shots on target for Liverpool, three for Arsenal, but... Then it gets out of hand when you talk about shots total. Liverpool took 25 shots, Arsenal just nine. But the shots that Liverpool were taking weren't, it wasn't, you know, for most of the first half until Liverpool scored, it wasn't like, you know, they're, you know, really forcing Bern Leno to make a save. They're putting balls in the area, but they just weren't either met, they, they weren't accurate enough, um, particularly from, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, or uh, they just weren't getting a good shot on the end of the cross. So, um, you know, as far as like, with the possession is, it's close. The passing is close. The amount of touches is close. Um, so Arsenal really, it's 3-1 kind of doesn't do it justice. You know, David Luiz made a stupid mistake. David Luiz's stupid mistake is the reason that the second goal was scored because he gave away a penalty by clearly tugging on Mo Salah's shirt, um, which the penalty at the time for me, it was like, this is a weird one to see called, but in the era of VAR, it's going to be called because if he doesn't call that right away, they're going to go to a check and say, yeah, this is a penalty. Um, And with David Luiz and Socrates in the defense... VAR is scary. It's almost the twelfth man for the opposing team, um, but that he got yellow carded for, and then in the fifty eighth minute, he has to let Salah go past him because if he puts in a challenge there and takes Salah down, he's off, and they have to play the last ten minutes without uh, with with uh, you know being down a man. My issue on that goal, honestly, I thought I legitimately thought after watching the replay, that Nacho Monreal should have absolutely just... I, I it, it might have ended up being a red card anyway, what I want. But he should have barreled into him. He should have put a challenge in. 
Um, probably picked up a yellow card if the challenge was at least clean as far as the studs not being up and whatnot. Um, but still, that that would have granted Liverpool a free kick on the edge of the area, and we know what their fullbacks can do from that area. We know that they have players that can put shots on target from there, so um, it may not have made much of a difference, but someone's got to put a challenge in it. You just can't let them run free like that. It's yeah. tactical uh, fouls I'm cool with. It was rough. It was rough going for David Luiz. You know, it was, it was a rough, it was a rough game. But and we've seen that happen to him in that spot too, in that same part of the field against uh, Spurs last year when they uh, beat up on Chelsea. He had that Kim Min Sung uh, sort of did the same thing to him. This little like just running by him, uh, and it's, it's it's never a good look for a defender. Obviously, I mean he's a uh, he's he's playing in a completely new team, new system, uh, totally different atmosphere. So. Uh, I'm sure he'll work towards uh, work away from this and you know start putting in some good performances. But yeah, it was it was a rough outing for for Louise. Yeah, and um, like I said, it's it's not a match that I expected to go any other way. Um, maybe was... maybe the the hope of of it uh, as a fan got me a little bit, and the but the the time of conceding versus the time of changes made is what annoyed me with with oh, yeah, this was, match from a from a fan standpoint subs bad subs equals bad um timing I, of goals equals bad uh, david yeah. louise clearly pulling on shirt equals bad, bad. socrates pulling virgil van dyke in the penalty area on on the corner that was eventually scored by matip to where Guendouzi was pulled to the ground because of his own teammate, bad. Bad. That one wasn't quite Nick-like because that was too long to be a Nick analysis. Yeah. But it too wordy. It's in his mold. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, this. Was, I don't know. I think. Did you? Did you post uh, a poll on the Twitter account about who we thought was going to win the game? I did. I did. I think I, I. think I picked draw. Because like I feel like this could have been one of those like either you know where it's cagey and it's nil nil or it's like one of those. 2-2 two, two games where, like, Liverpool dominates, but Arsenal gets a goal back, and then, you know, they steal, get another goal. Obviously, I feel like the the second goal in those type of games are normally scored by Aaron Ramsey, who you don't have anymore. Yeah. Um, but I think Arsenal, but yeah, I, I mean, Liverpool are just a, this show. They're like, they have, Arsenal have a great attack, great attacking players, have some solid, creative midfielders. Um, Liverpool has all that and a defense and a really solid defense. Um, I think this, sh- this should have been, I know you were saying like Arsenal, you know, I kind of expected this, but they, sh- the way that they're losing it like very bad. Like yeah. I thought, and I agree. I think Arsenal, this should have been a game. Arsenal should have been a game. Arsenal lost like two, one mm-hmm. put up a good fight. That would have been something to move forward from and kind of be like, all right, what can we work on? What can we improve? Um, and it wouldn't be too much of a, a heartbreaker, soul crusher, that it was because three one, I mean it was three nil, you know, and then you got that. It was very much a consolation goal, like yeah. It's not it. like it was one one, and then we lost it late. It mm. it's it's a completely different thing. Now in that poll, Liverpool and draw tied with thirty eight percent, while 
Arsenal of, were given 25% of that vote. Liverpool and draw, draw Drew? Liverpool and draw Drew. Draw Drew. At, wow, Arsenal lost twice. They lost the draw and they lost to Liverpool. It's a rough game. Poll three, you. Arsenal won. You hate to see it. You hate to see you it. You hate to this see it. This is not it. A chief. Um, let's uh, let's give you some happy talking points here. I know how much you like talking about Arsenal losing, but even more you would like to talk about Chelsea winning. It has now, nothing to do with. I don't like my favorite thing about Arsenal losing is you and Nick talking to each other about the game and just being miserable, but also you're, there's there's a lot of banter in it. It's just like kind of just trashing Arsenal and making fun of them, but also making fun of your own misery. That's what I love. Well, that because was... so when Nick was first becoming an Arsenal fan, um, it, it, you would always joke like, "Oh, what player on the team do you actually like?" Because anytime Arsenal would lose, I'd be like, "This motherfucker, are you fucking kidding me? He can't do shit. He can't defend for his life." And like, listen, I I support a team that <laughs> that still on the wage bill, although it might not be true by this time next week. They still have Mustafi on the wage bill. So forgive me for not liking every player that plays for my club. I would, I wish the best for them when they're on the field, but I would wish the best that they're not on the field. Yeah, best best tweet here is our best text. Uh, Mkhitaryan coming on after we score. I'm going to sleep. It. Why in the fuck? I if you told me you could only sell one before the end of the deadline. Mustafi or Mkhitaryan? Bye-bye, Mkhitaryan. That's how much he does for this. He's so useless. Because See, there's a lot of uh, ask for him in Russia. Mustafi. Yeah, I saw, I saw that. I saw it. Mustafi uh, is a guy where you know what to expect. You know you're not getting anything out of him. Mkhitaryan's right, like, was... maybe. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, that's nice. Nothing. Oh, 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 no. Oh, maybe. Nope. Well, you see a ball going towards Mustafi, and you're, you, before the ball hits the back of the net, before the ball even crosses into Arsenal's defensive third, you're thinking, it's okay. We can get this one back. Pick the ball out of the net. No big deal. And it's like they haven't even taken their goal kick yet. I was like, I, I know, but like, just watch. Um, And I respect that about Mustafi, you know? Um. <laughs> He is what he is. I respect that. Yeah, Chelsea three, Norwich two. Um, first uh, first seventeen minutes of this one were uh, played before it, it, first 5 half hour. <laughs> we're played before five a.m. Was Mustafi in both defenses? Because Tammy Abraham starts it in the third minute. Todd Cantwell in the sixth. Mason Mount in the seventeenth. Timu Puki in the thirtieth, and then Tammy again with the winner in the sixty eighth. Um, hey, that's what you, that's what you were asking for. That's what you wanted. Tammy Abraham to get the winner, kind of get back from all that racial abuse. Of course, since the racial abuse that Tammy Abraham has had, like I think United has had three or four like instances. Pogba misses his penalty and then loses against. Uh, we didn't even talk about Rashford Alice. missing his penalty. That's the major talking point. Yeah, that that's that's on us for not being consistent. We you yeah. know last week we <laughs> I mentioned you know it shouldn't be a lottery. It should like. <laughs> 
Pogba should not be on penalties. Rashford made one last week. Give it to Martial. Give it to... Give it to Daniel James. You're going to get a great celebration out of it. Honestly, De Gea, let's get his rep back up. Put him on the penalty spot. Um, ooh, talking about the penalty spot. Brings me back. Brings me back to like three months ago. Um, no, but I think they should just have some penalty practice because with VAR, we're going to get more penalties this year. And United need to be putting them away better than they are. Give it to Martial. Give it to give it to fucking Scott McTominay. I don't care. Give it to somebody. Give it to Juan Bissaka. If you spend $85 million on a single player, he should be able to take penalties. Harry Maguire, step on up. To be fair, it was almost a... It was like two an inches inch away, away. An inch away from being perfect. A, a perfect penalty. That's the yeah. thing. The most perfect penalties Pogba. are so close to missing and yeah, vice versa. Unless you're Pogba, you just put it at an excellent height down the middle for the goalie to and, take care of. And I will say, like, people say, oh, the, the media is biased against Pogba. And I agree that, you know, that he gets a hard time. But last year when he was missing penalties with that with that hour-long run-up, man. <laughs> the run-up that took longer than Daniel James's, uh celebration. <laughs> like, it, you're, you're going to open yourself up to some criticism. Now, I'm not... Clearly, clearly not saying that the racial abuse that any of these players are receiving. Um, oh, it's horseshit. It, like, fuck off. Absolutely fuck off. Twitter do a better job with covering it. Facebook, wherever they're getting this, do a fucking better job of deleting these accounts. Do a better job of making sure that these people are not using accounts. They're not on social media. They're not portraying this unbelievable ideology that they have across uh, across the internet. Get rid of it. because It's embarrassing that they can't find a way to take care of it. Um, but from a purely football standpoint, you're opening yourself up to criticism in that, in that spot for Pogba. But also, Marcus Rashford is usually good from the, from the spot. Um, and I think the timing for this one is just a little bit rough. Um, but they they could have they could have walked away with three points in the past two weeks. They could easily be uh, in a situation where they're on top of the table with Liverpool, yeah. and uh, just a couple a couple spot kicks have have really uh, harmed their uh, start to the season. But like we were saying, Chelsea Norwich, Tammy Abraham, he gets the winner. If Chelsea are gonna win, I'm gonna take that. I like I like seeing him get the win. Um and Frank Lampard is is finally off the mark. Yeah. Um Yeah, Wild Game. That was the four thirty game that I woke up and you I woke up to a text from you and said, Did you watch the goal five goal thriller? I woke up and it saw the score. It was like Chelsea win three two. I was like, Oh my god, okay, they won. Whatever. Jeez, I'm glad I didn't wake up for that. Um But yeah, I mean, you, you got to get that win. You got to get that first win. Young players, new coach, got to get that first win and just start building your momentum. Obviously, it's Norwich, but um, I think overall it was a solid performance from Chelsea. I think besides, I think they need their defense still needs some work. They still don't have their best back four playing right now, and you know, Angolo Conte was out. 
Um, but being able to score, get goals, get the goals that they needed to win the game is very important. Um, both of both of Tammy Abraham's goals were very impressive too. They were some very very solid goals. Um, so that was exciting to see. Um, I was impressed by those finishes and Mason Mountain again with an with another with another goal. Him, it'll be interesting to kind of watch him and Daniel James. Uh, go back and forth against each other throughout the season, see which young player is going to have a, a better season. I uh, I think that Chelsea are... They're going to have an up-and-down season. They're, it's going to be weird. Um, mm-hmm. And it, I feel like with Manchester United, um, they go through different periods of great play and bad play. Chelsea, I don't know what the hell to expect from them from on a week-to-week basis. They win against Norwich 3-2, and going up against Sheffield in the coming week, it could either be 1-0 Sheffield or 5-0 Chelsea or anywhere in between, and I have absolutely no idea, and it terrifies me. Yeah, how do you think I feel? Can't be good, man. That will be exciting. No, I mean, I think that what's, what's so exciting for me, you know, for Chelsea fans, you look at the score sheet and you see... Wow, Mason Mount scored and Tammy Abraham scored two goals. It, it it's like it's kind of weird. It feels like we're so far removed from like la- the last two years, just because those are the two names you're seeing on the score sheet. Obviously, Hazard's gone, but Chelsea scored three goals. You expect his name on the list. You expect you know striker. You know we had Diego Costa for a little bit. You expect him on there, stuff like that. Pedro. But it's like now we're just like. Tammy Abraham and Mason Mount, two young players for Chelsea. To see them scoring and playing well, obviously it's against... I mean, Tammy Abraham was scoring two goals against Norwich last year. You know, so was Mason Mount. Like, they were. That's the they played this team last year, both in the championship. Mm-hmm. So you have to see it come against the bigger sides. Um, and, you know, but, it, but like I said, like, I don't want to focus too much... In on oh Tammy Abraham scored two goals because of the quality of the opponent, but I I look more specifically at the the quality of the finish that he was able to put on because um, there were some really nice goals. They weren't just tap ins against a, a weak side. They were some solid solid strikes. Now, before we get on to your delusion and a little bit more, we'll just go through the rest of the results. Um, Aston Villa on Friday night beat Everton at Villa Park two nil. Um, West Ham beat Watford. Watford dead last with no points. Um, that's a 3-1 victory for Manuel Pellegrini's side. Leicester with a uh, with a, a good win against Sheffield, who have been tough to play against. A Harvey Barnes screamer to win that one. Um, Southampton beat Brighton 2-0 away from home. Burnley are the victims of a late penalty against Wolves. They salvaged a point in, like, I want to say, the 96th or 97th minute. And Man City beat Bournemouth 3-1 at the Vitality Stadium on Sunday. It's time to get delusional, my friend. Mm-hmm. What, um, what, what, is your, for you? what is your delusion of the week? Um... My delusion is actually going to be about one of those, uh, one of those, uh, one of those uh, results you just uh, mentioned. What do I got? So I'm looking back at my table. 
because I think I want to change it. So, like, Everton, Everton is a team that's just so incredibly frustrating. Would you agree with that? Yes, they are the fourth highest spenders in the Premier League over the past, like, five yeah, years or something like they, that. They are colossally the team that underperforms, no matter what. Um, so they lost to Villa. Obviously, it was at Villa. I don't know. Mine's going to be about Villa. I think Villa, I have them one, two, three. I have them finishing 13th this year on my initial table. My delusion is that I think they're going to I think they're going to push up and and fight for some for a European spot next season. Aston Villa Champions of Europe in Again. 2021. That's the delusion, right? No, that's not. Ah, I just think Everton. Yeah, Ever- I have Everton at eight, and I have Aston Villa at thirteen. But I think throw Aston Everton Villa, closer to like seventeen. Yeah, I think, um, I think Everton are might drop a little bit. I think, but I think Aston Villa are going to be a team that that could be pushing. You know, well, because also, this isn't really a delusion. Watford bad. Bad. Watford bad. And the Nick-like analysis from you there is going to bring us into Nick's oh-so-wonderful betting bonanza of the week. He has just Nick's sent picks. us... He has just sent us his picks for the coming week. He first sent us the picks, and there were no draws. Nick was expecting every game to be a three-pointer. Listen, it's happened before. It happened last season a few times. Um, we actually went a few weeks last year where there were no draws, so... It's not the craziest thing in the world. Watch it happen this week, and it, the ones that we made him change. The ones. I, we, that you're gonna owe this guy a lot of money if if <laughs> if you gave him uh, some worries about his original picks. But uh, let's go through the picks. He's got Manchester United over Southampton, Crystal Palace, and Aston Villa is gonna be a draw according to him. Manchester City are gonna win against Brighton. Chelsea are going to win against Sheffield. Leicester are going to win over Bournemouth. Newcastle over Watford. A draw between West Ham and Norwich. Liverpool over Burnley. Wolves and Everton. Uh, Wolves and Everton for a draw. And Arsenal in the North London Derby. I'm mad that he picked Arsenal in the North London Derby. I hate betting for or against the team that you support. Um, it gives me anxiety because I've bet on Arsenal before and I've bet on the on the damn New York Mets. Um, mm. But Nick's picks with a wager of $5, he would win $7,898 and three cents. Oh, the big three center. Three cents. Um, it's going to come. And those three cents, he might even donate to charity. Nice. What do you what do you think about these picks? See, Manchester United, I think they'll beat Southampton. I think that I think it makes too much sense. Yeah, but they just lost. They just lost to Crystal Palace. They're gonna lose again. There's not enough chaos. Not not in that result. I'm not saying in the Manchester United game. I'm saying just over the ten matches, it makes too much sense to me. I think Aston Villa is gonna beat Crystal Palace. I think Wolves win at Goodison. Wolves, Wolves win at Goodison. And I think Bournemouth could pick up a point or three yeah. against Leicester. Yeah, I think I think Leicester-Bournemouth will be a draw. Um, 
Newcastle beating Watford. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Newcastle just beat Spurs. Watford, I don't know what they're doing. So that one, that's a tough one to pick. I think Watford might get the first one of the season there, courtesy as we have dirt bikes going by the house. Thanks, guys. What? Um, wow. Did you hear it or no? Yeah, I heard yeah. it. Um, so I think that Watford might get a win, courtesy of uh, Danny Welbeck hat-trick. Is he even back healthy and playing yet? Who yeah. the hell knows? I forgot he's at Watford. Arsenal yeah. legend. They gave, they signed Danny Welbeck and said, hey, Isaac, success. You, uh, you are uh, not successful. Took what the number 10 accent? away from him. And that's a Watford accent. accent. Okay. Uh, that's a Wat- Oh, yeah. So that's a Watford accent. Is that yeah. Where is Watford? Uh, Germany. Okay. Uh, what? Okay. Um, West Ham, I think, will probably beat Norwich City. And I don't Ars- know. Nor- Norwich, they've got goals. Yeah. West Ham got Pellegrini, though. I don't know. Yeah, I mean West Ham played well this weekend, so it's yeah. we'll see. Arsenal Knicks are picks. Not going to we win. will. De- we you think so? They might draw. I don't know if they're going to win. They might lose too. Who knows? Like, there's three different options. I think the one Nick picked was probably the least likely. But I mean, again, that's hard to hard to measure considering we're watching them come off a game against Liverpool. Yeah, and and it, Tottenham also just came off a loss. To it's, it, but like with the North London derby, you got to throw form out the window. And it's it's well, hopefully, or else no one is going to watch want to watch this game. It's going to be like that the the snooze fest at Wembley last season. That game was terrible. What happened in that game? Ninetieth uh, minute penalty miss from Aubameyang. Ugh. But like leading up to that, that game was terrible. Well, yeah. Ugh. That was an awful, awful game to watch. Um, so we will uh, be back next week. Maybe Sunday, maybe Monday. Maybe we just stop recording altogether because of our technical difficulties. If Jared doesn't figure it out, I'm going to look for a new co-host. Uh, follow us on Twitter at FootyAdo, on Instagram with the same handle. Um, like, rate, subscribe, review. Let us be seen by more listeners by doing so. And Jared, as always, pardon our French.